Welcome in everyone to 32Beat Beyond the Tweets. My name is Zach Hajduk, and today I'm very excited to bring you a great conversation with Packers beat writer Andy Herman. If you aren't already, make sure to be following us on Twitter at 32BeatWriters to stay up to date on all the news. We give you more information than you're going to get anywhere else. Also, if you didn't know, subscribing to our Patreon gets you access to our daily news summaries, which compiles all of the tweets and all of the information that we bring you into one single source broken down by team. It's only three bucks a month, and I promise you it's well worth the money. You can check that out at our website at 32beatwriters.com. Now, let's get on to the conversation. Hey everyone, today I have with us Green Bay Packers beat writer Andy Herman. Andy is a beat writer for the PackerReport.com and owner and host of the Pack-A-Day podcast. He's also an NFL Scout School graduate. And if you're looking for him on Twitter, you can find him at Andy Herman NFL. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, Zach. Thanks so much for having me. I always appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to have you on here. And uh, before we get too far into the team, if you don't mind, just telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you came to cover the Packers and uh, just a little bit about what it's like. Yeah, so I, you know, basically born and raised in Green Bay, technically born about, uh, you know, 30 minutes north, but moved to Green Bay literally two weeks later um, and and was raised, obviously, in Green Bay. Uh, My first game that I ever went to as a Packer fan was Brett Favre's entrance coming in for Don Mikowski, throwing the touchdown to Kittrick Taylor in the back of the end zone. So when you're in Green Bay growing up, you're basically baptized in the, the Green Bay Packers to begin with. But when your first game is the Favre to Kittrick Taylor touchdown and then you basically, I don't know, have 30 plus years of Hall of Fame quarterback play. Um, yeah, you're sort of indoctrinated in it, to say the least. So uh, oh, yeah. I've obviously been a fan for a super long time. And, uh, you know, probably, I don't know, maybe over a, a little over a decade ago, just started writing my own blog about the team, which I don't know, I think maybe my mom and a, a couple other people read uh, from time <laughs> to time. And that was about it. But eventually started writing for a smaller blog then started writing for Cheesehead TV came up with the idea for the podcast and then, you know, became credentialed through the Packers through Packer report. And it's just kind of been this crazy whirlwind of a ride. And, and just this last month uh, started doing this hundred uh, percent full-time and covering the Packers. So um, it's been really crazy. It's uh, a dream come true, obviously for somebody growing up in green Bay and watching the Packers. And yeah, so I've been um, credentialed now. This is my fifth year being credentialed on the team. I uh, have obviously been covering them from uh, a very young age and, and keeping very focused on what they've been doing, but now doing it so uh, full time. So it's it's been really, really cool and really exciting. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned growing up with that just continuous Hall of Fame level of production at quarterback. <laughs> and uh, I'm curious to see if that'll continue. And we'll get into that here. You mentioned, uh, well, I mean, there's been changes, obviously, right? Yes. You've got head coach Matt LaFleur. And after placing first in the division for, I think, the first three years that he was a head coach there, last year we end up uh, placing third behind Minnesota and Detroit. So, uh, within the last 18 months, you guys have lost Devontae Adams and then also Aaron Rodgers, two obviously huge impact players for you guys on offense. Right. Um, it does seem like it was time to move on from Rodgers, uh, although I'm sure it's interesting seeing him over there with the Jets. But with all of that change and uh, the, the results from last year, even with Rodgers, realistically, where is this team at and what do you think they're going to accomplish this year? 
Yeah. So obviously that's sort of the loaded question, right? Is, is what is this team going to be able to accomplish, you know, in, in the post Aaron Rodgers era. And you mentioned the post Devonte Adams era as well. They've gone through some pretty significant changes. Part of that is, is obviously due to just some of the stuff that happened with Aaron. Like you said, it was definitely time for everyone to move on. I think as we've already seen, Aaron is so happy in New York. I think it was really essential for him to get a fresh start somewhere. I think it was essential for green Bay. Obviously Jordan needed that opportunity. I'm hoping that this just ends up being sort of a win for everyone. And I think so far it has, but that doesn't mean things are going to be easy, certainly for green Bay. And I think this is going to be certainly a challenging season for them. Now, you know, what this team is able to account. This is a very young team, right? You mentioned, mm. you know, no Aaron Rodgers, no Devonte Adams. They've obviously moved on from Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Mercedes Lewis today signs with the Chicago bears. Robert Tunyon is gone. Uh, there are a variety of veterans that are off this team and in their place are a lot of extremely young players. Not only is Jordan Love a first-time starting quarterback, but at wide receiver, you've got three returning second-year players in Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, the first two being players who you know saw a significant action a season ago, the third being Samore Toure, who got about 100, a little over 100 snaps last year. The rest okay. of the wide receiver core, rookies. like All of them are rookies that are going to potentially make the team. I guess maybe Bo wow. Melton could as well. He's a second-year guy as well, who was a seventh-round pick from the Seahawks, who they signed off their practice squad last year. So this is an extremely young wide receiver group. Then you go to tight end, and you've got Josiah DeGuara, who is uh, in his fourth year, but is going to be more of that H-back, sort of fullback, you know, kind of hybrid tight end rotational player. You've got Tyler Davis, who's had a cup of coffee. And then it's two rookies, Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, who are going to be expected to play a lot in this offense. So you've got veteran running backs. You've got veterans like Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins on the left side of the offensive line. You don't have any rookies on the offensive line. So I think there's a little bit of an advantage there. But the playmakers, the players that Jordan Love is going to be throwing to, very inexperienced. And you're, again, having a, a first-time starting quarterback throwing to them. So I think they're, mm -hmm. you're, what you're going to see with this team is a lot of volatility, right? You've got rookies and second year players who are not known for their consistency that are known for maybe, you know, having some high highs, but also, you know, they're going to have, I think some low lows. It wouldn't shock me if this was a team that, you know, took on a couple playoff contending teams and beat them, you know, maybe even easily. And it wouldn't shock me if they played a couple, you know, three win teams and lost those games just because right. of the inconsistencies on this team. So there's a lot of talent on this team. And unlike most rebuilding teams that maybe sort of rip the bandaid and are just like, we're going all out in the opposite direction. And maybe we're going to get some high draft picks for a while. This is still a team that boasts players like Jair Alexander and Kenny Clark and Devondre Campbell, who was just a first team all pro two seasons ago, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, like Elton Jenkins. There are some significantly talented veteran players still on this team, but a lot of youth mixed in with it. And I think that's what makes this team so darn interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned the, the uh, fact that everybody's so young or there's a lot of young talent on that team. Uh, I are they the youngest team in the NFL or are they close? I, I was trying to find some data on that. It's pretty it's they're pretty, pretty low on the list. Yeah, I think they, they start putting that together once the 53 man rosters are actually like okay. finalized. And then they look at who's the youngest based on that. But if they're, they're certainly, I think, going to be in the conversation, I think the, the fact that they have a few of those veterans, Preston Smith's another one, uh, you know, may even that out. But they have. Four players. Last I checked, it was four players over the age of 28 on the roster. Um, I know <laughs> Preston Smith, crazy. Pat O'Donnell, um, and then there's a there's a couple of David Bakhtiari, and right. I'll see if I can think of the other one as well. But um, yeah, th this is a very very young roster overall, and and not many uh, older veteran players on this team. 
Yeah, yeah. So that'll be really interesting to see. Uh, and the high highs, I mean, hey, it, if you can get those, I think you can deal with some of the low lows because the, the you know, you're looking for the future, at least it seems with Jordan Love. And uh, I, I don't know if this is the first time in probably several years that the Packers are slated to have the same number of wins, at least according to Vegas, uh, as the Bears at seven and a half. Lions are at the top, which is crazy to me, too. Uh, at 9.5 and then Vikings at 8.5. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out. I don't know what you, if you were going to put, put a bet on something, where would you put those uh, numbers, you think? Yeah, I think the really fun thing about the NFC North is I do think that there is a, a lot up for grabs here. I think you have a Chicago team who is young and hungry and has certainly made some extreme additions this offseason with DJ Moore, $100 million to spend in free agency uh, that they right. certainly upgraded the roster. And then, um, you know, you've got, I, I think, what the, the Bears are expecting, uh, maybe a significant jump from Justin Fields. And obviously that's going to be a huge part of this NFC North as well. I think everyone's expecting the Lions to be a, a better team after the the pesky 9-8 and eight run that they made a season to go and certainly the second half of the season they balled the heck out I do wonder if I, I think catching some people by surprise and going nine and eight is a fun story taking that to the next level and winning 11 to 12 games and actually making noise in the playoffs is something totally different and I'm really intrigued to see if the Lions can make that jump or if it's sort of the usual Detroit Lions that take one step forward and then immediately take two steps back and I think you know some of the gambling stuff that's been going on the suspension for Jamison Williams I do think yeah. losing Jamal Williams is going I know that they they replaced him with I think more talented players, David Montgomery and obviously Jameer Gibbs. But I do think there's something about Jamal Williams and ask Packer fans that he's kind of the heart and soul of a team sometimes. And you just want that guy in your roster. I just think there's some things there that could maybe be a little bit different for Detroit and Minnesota. I mean, a, a team that's really lost a lot of players, you know, kudos to them for finding a way to keep Daniel Hunter recently, but Adam Thielen, mm -hmm. Dalvin cook, Eric Kendricks, uh, Patrick Peterson, Dalvin Tomlinson, like there's a lot of uh, really talented players that were super important to that team that are no longer there. And this is a team that had a negative point differential and somehow won all the games that they did. They were already, in my opinion, a yeah. regression candidate. And when you lose that many talented players, you're, you're probably even more so, right? So, but I, if you told me any of these four teams won the NFC North, well, yeah, that I could see that happening. If you told me, I, th I think Detroit would be pretty shocking if they lost the NFC North. But if you kind of told me any of the four teams lost the NFC North, I'd say like, yeah, I could probably see a world in which that happens as well. So I think it's a really, really fun division. I can't wait to see it happens. I like Green Bay's betting odds right now because they are the least you know, likely right now. So if you want maybe some return on your investment, I do think Green Bay is a little bit undervalued with where they're at right now. Yeah, I think what you're you mentioning, like who knows what could happen, and I, I I agree with you. You could see uh, bad Jared Goff, a weird Vikings team that's rebuilding on the fly. Yeah, all that stuff. So, and nobody's promising that Justin Fields is definitely going to be great. So, correct. Um, if they're not successful this year, though, what do you think happens? Uh, will Love be on this team next year for sure? It seems as though that contract that they kind of gave him, it was a quasi extension, not fifth year option. It was, it was interesting. So how do you see, does the coaching staff stick around? Like if, if the worst comes worse, what, what do you think happens there? Yeah. So I think let's start with Jordan first, right? Because I think there's a world that exists in which Jordan plays well enough, but this team just isn't ultimately very good. I think you go back to Aaron's first season as a starter, Aaron played very well. They were six and 10 
on the year. And it was very sure. clear that Aaron was going to be good enough and, and, a, and a really good player in the league. I don't think anyone at that point, at that point, quite knew, you know, four-time MVP, you know, Super Bowl winner, Hall of Famer, et cetera. But you could see the writing on the wall that this was going to be a very good starting quarterback. So I think a world exists in which maybe the team's not very good, but you see some of the promise from the youth, including Jordan Love on this team. And you just sort of continue in the direction that you're going in, sort of knowing that there were going to be some bumps in the road along the way. Um, now, with the the contract that you mentioned, uh, basically a pseudo fifth year option where both teams got or both Jordan Love and, and the team, Jordan got a little bit of security by getting the fifth year. Green Bay got a little bit of an out by not you know picking up the full fifth year option and making it fully guaranteed. Right. If Jordan's terrible, like let's just say, the, and I don't even necessarily want to speak that into, into existence, and I <laughs> I don't think that's that's ultimately going to be the case. But in a multiverse in which he is terrible, they have given themselves some options to go in a different direction rather quickly. And if he's really, really bad, let, let, let's just put it this way. If he's really bad, like he's just terrible, like this team is probably a three, four win team. If, he, if he's terrible, this is not like, right. th- like the team can just carry that, you know, the, the, the team on its own, right? It's probably yeah. a three or four win team. And you're probably very much in the conversation for a draft class that has a lot of potential quarterbacks in it. Would not surprise me if Green Bay immediately said, we're going to take a flyer on one of these guys and we'll let Jordan and the, the rookie battle it out next year. Um, but but may, maybe quickly make that adjustment. Uh, if if Jordan is okay to good, uh, or like just kind of, I guess, okay to average somewhere in there, it wouldn't shock me if they maybe brought some uh, brought a quarterback in, maybe you know second, third, fourth round, uh, didn't make that full commitment, but also kind of saying like, well, we don't really have a backup and we need to start continuing to develop, but maybe right. at least giving themselves another out. And obviously if Jordan's great, they'll just move forward with Jordan and get that contract extension done sooner rather than later. But I do think they've given themselves some, some outs overall. And then as far as LaFleur and Goody and everything like that, I, I think things would have to get like we're talking like one or two wins bad in order for that yeah. to even be in the conversation because you know, the, the three 13 win seasons to start things off certainly buys you a little bit of accident forgiveness. And I do yeah. think they started four and eight last year. And the fact that they were able to rally and win four consecutive games to get them back in the playoff picture, I think speaks value that like that team, that team was four and eight playing Chicago in Chicago down by two scores, I think in the second half in that game. And they had every right to quit and they came back and won that game and then won three more straight to get in the conversation. So I think that speaks volume to, to Matt as a coach. And then, sure. you know, I think Goody's overall done a, a solid job as well. So things would have to go very, very wrong, but I think Joe Barry certainly would be on the hot seat in that situation. I would expect if, if things went horribly, he would probably be gone. And then you start evaluating what you need to do to upgrade the roster. But this is very much a, um, in evaluation season for, I think like this is post Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers now. So like everyone is going to be under the microscope from Brian Gutekunst to Matt LaFleur to Jordan Love to Joe Barry. It's all under the microscope and it's all going to get revealed. I think in some capacity this season. Yeah. Yeah. And you had mentioned Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator there. Uh, If they're disappointing again, which I mean, I I looked at it. They're like 17th and points against or something to that regard, but uh, so they weren't horrific down the stretch uh, on the back end, but uh, will if the defense is disappointing again, it's going to be up to the offense, I guess, to carry the team. I don't know if you project the defense to be bad or not bad, but just not what you would hope it to be with the amount of first round picks that they have on the uh, and all the talent. Um, do you think Love could possibly do that? I don't know. Realistically, what? Well, or 
just tell us what you've seen in camp from him so far. Has he looked good? Has he looked okay? Ups and downs? What, what do you see from him? Yeah, it's certainly ups and downs. I think the completion percentage is just a little bit over 50% in camp. There's certainly been some drops and some spikes in two-minute drills that have attributed to that as well. And this is, I don't think box score scouting in games is is, uh, is something we should make a, a habit of, much less box score scouting in, in practices sure. uh, but for a variety of different reasons. Um, yeah. The first practice that he had was uh, a little bit tough. He had four opportunities down the field, Musgrave, Watson, Toure. I think the other one was Jaden Reed to hit some big completions down the field. And he missed all four of them. And I think some of those first day jitters, first time as the starting quarterback, I think some of that played a role. It was also a, a bit of a windy day as well, which may have played a factor, but that, that was the, the, like one where you're like, all right, I'm sure that's a practice that you'd like to have back. I think practice number two, again, you look at the numbers, I think it was something like five of 17 of the day, something like that. And it looks really, really bad. He had an amazing throw to Christian Watson in the back of the end zone. He had a couple other plays that um, should have gone his way that just didn't. And I thought overall, like he, he made some impressive throws on the day. He had an uh, interception on the day. Jair Alexander made a diving pass breakup. The ball gets tipped in the air. Devondre Campbell ends up picking it off. Wasn't a terrible decision by any means. It just ended up picked off. Um, and then sure. he came back on Saturday that week and had what pretty much everyone described as his best practice ever as a Packer. He was slinging the ball around the field, hitting some deep throws, hit a great throw to Samore Toure, um, just you know, had an awesome, awesome day. And then I think it's been mostly nondescript since then. But what I would say about Jordan so far, what I've been sort of uh, excited and, and bullish uh, about his prospects so far, I've really liked the process of what he's been doing at quarterback. There's only one throw, in my opinion, that he's made that has been a turnover-worthy play. And that was in a two-minute drill, for, drops back to pass, doesn't see Quay Walker drop into his own, throws it right to Quay. Quay, unfortunately, drops it. That was the one play that he made that was a clear interceptable ball. And like I said, it was right. dropped. Every other throw that he has made, a couple contested plays here and there, that's going to happen. That's part of your job description as a quarterback. I haven't seen any turnover-worthy plays from Jordan. He's going through his progressions. He's in co total command of the offense. He has solutions to what the defense is throwing at him. So he's getting down, he's looking downfield, going touchdown to check down, trying to find those explosive plays when it's not there. He knows where all of his checkdowns and release valves are. And when that doesn't work, then he is navigating the pocket while keeping his eyes downfield. And if there's nothing there, then he will take off and use his legs and run. Just the, the processing, the mental processing and the progressions that he's going through, the fact that he hasn't had those turnover worthy plays and the fact that he's had four or five really impressive wow throws mixed in there as well. Like I said, I'm more excited than than not, but there is still certainly a long way to go. And and, and there's going to be some some, you know, learning curve along the way that Jordan's going to have to go through. Sure. Yeah. And uh, hopefully his, you mentioned the release valve there can help him out. Uh, we've seen Aaron Jones in the past be one of those guys who can uh, help get things out of the, you know, out of a dangerous spot when, uh, when the yep. play breaks down. Do you see, how, tell me about the running back room. Uh, you kind of still have the same guys you've had the last couple of years and Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Uh, somewhat of a one-two punch there. I think a lot of fantasy people were hoping that last year or the year before AJ Dillon would really come through there, but Aaron Jones is a really sticky veteran. So how do you see that room this year? Yeah, it's interesting with all the like youth and, and changes on this team, like the running back room is by far and away the most boring thing about this entire Packers roster, because it's the same two running backs that they've had in the same two roles. And like, yeah, sure. you've got like a Tyler Goodson and an Emmanuel Wilson and um, Lou Nichols, their seventh round pick and Patrick Taylor battling it out for the number three running back spot. But 
Aaron Jones is your one, and you know exactly what you're going to get out of Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon is mm-hmm. your two. I will say I think uh, Dillon looks a little bit more spry this year, and he even mentioned in the offseason he knows he needs to be a little bit more of a playmaker. Um, so you can tell he's re- you know really working on that and trying to you know trying to get some of those explosive plays on the second level. He's ran through Quay Walker on a couple different occasions, which is always fun to watch. But these are exactly the two running backs that we've seen in the past few seasons, and that's exactly what you're going to get out of them this year as well. So um, I don't think there's any changes here. I think they're both you know, two very talented running backs that are going to be in a very similar role, and I think they're certainly going to be leaned on more with uh, a first-time starting quarterback in Jordan Love. Okay, yeah, and uh, so are they going to be – running if they're running i mean we saw them draft uh two tight ends uh yeah. you can tell me a little bit about them are we gonna see a lot of two tight end sets on the field a lot of running tell me what lafleur's offense is gonna look like with those two new additions and the running backs that you have as well as the young qb yeah i do think you're gonna see a lot of two tight end sets i don't think it's just going to be the two rookies luke musgrave has been basically entrenched as tight end one since the beginning of otas and mini camps and they don't hand out those spots like candy, like Luke wow. Van Ness started with the third team and then worked up to the second and now is getting some reps with the ones. And he's obviously their first round pick. Um, no yeah. other player outside of Anders Carlson at kicker is playing with the ones and any, you know, or has, has, has had the starting reps except Luke Musgrave and Luke wow. Musgrave has been the one that again, since day one OTs and mini camps has basically um, had that job. So you're going to see a lot of him. And then I think, you know, uh, Tyler Davis, Josiah DeGuara, Tucker Craft are all going to be rotated quite heavily, assuming they're all healthy uh, as that number two tight end. And they're going to be used in, I think, a variety of different ways. Tyler Davis, I think, is going to take over as kind of their best blocking tight end. And is, you're going to see him quite a bit uh, on the field, I think, more than maybe people would expect. Josiah DeGuara in that H-back fullback, you know, kind of move player type role. And then I think they're just going to try to get Tucker Craft on the field to gain some experience and just try to utilize some of that talent as well. The better receiver of the the, the two other tight ends in, in DeGuara and uh, and Tyler Davis. So I think you're going to see all of those guys rotated in, but I do think you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets. I think they're going to try to establish the run. And I think one of the things that Jordan's looked really good doing is, is using the play action fake and, uh, you know, really playing with his back to the ball and feeling comfortable doing so, which is something Aaron didn't like doing. Aaron didn't like turning his ball, his uh, back mm. to the ball. He really wanted eyes on the defense at the entire time. So he could read everything right. that was happening and process everything. Jordan has seemingly no issue with that. And he's, he's been able to, you know, use the play action, fake plan his foot, rip the ball downfield and hit some of those big plays. So I think we're going to see a lot of that. And I think it's going to be, I think the big thing here is Musgrave for tight end one. He's got some playmaking potential. He is not a blocking tight end and he's giving good effort doing it, but that's going to be a learning process Tyler Davis, a, a decent blocking tight end, but nowhere near what they had in Mercedes Lewis a season ago. Uh, you know, Tucker Craft is going to be a work in progress as a blocker. Josiah DeGuara, not a big time physical blocking tight end. So, yeah, they're going to want to use two tight ends and they're going to want to run the football. But those guys are all going to have to improve as blockers if they want to really be a, a dominant run front uh, with those two tight end sets. OK, interesting. Yeah, it would be inter- it's interesting that they drafted two tight ends, but they don't necessarily profile as blocking guys and they want to run the ball a lot more um if i if i've got if i'm hearing you correctly yeah no uh, i think that's a fair assessment yeah and he's uh lafleur's kind of influenced by that shanahan style or at least in the past i don't know that we saw that explicitly while aaron was here but do you see that playing out a little more towards what what he's familiar with in the past or do we see more of the same style of offense you mentioned the uh, turning your back to the ball on those those play fakes. So I don't know what that looks like, maybe. 
Yeah, so I think you're going to see a lot of Shanahan and McVay influence uh, with Matt LaFleur this upcoming season. I think in 2020, uh, during the COVID season, I think Aaron was a lot more bought in, and I think you saw a lot more of that influence that year. And I think if, if you want to look at what this LaFleur offense might look like, I think go back to 2020 and look at that a little bit more. Now, Matt is much more of a matchup-oriented coach, so he's constantly looking for mismatches and ways to you know dissect a defense, and he wants to attack weaknesses more than just like – here's our offense and we're going to run our stuff. He's more of sure. like, he's going to try to find those, those flaws in your defense and, and try to exploit them. But I do think there's going to be two things. I mentioned the one already, the play action, um, you know, under center and, and really, you know, having confidence in running that type of, um, you know, play action system. But I also think Aaron became very allergic to throwing the ball in the middle of the field. And Jordan is not at all. He will rip the ball in the middle of the field all day long. I think some of the slants and in-breaking routes have been, I mean, up, I don't know, like a thousand fold in, in training camp so far. So I think the utilization of the middle of the field is something that you're going to see a lot more with Jordan than you saw with Aaron the last handful of seasons. That's interesting. I want, is that a trust thing? I wonder uh, maybe, or he's just, I don't know. I, so, I, you don't have to comment. Aaron, on Aaron, no, Aaron was and is the most risk averse quarterback in the history of football, in the history of the world, right? So huh. he, th there's a reason he didn't throw interceptions. It's because he was extremely cautious with the ball. And, you know, he learned, you know, from, from his early quarterbacks coaches is that one of the, the sins is throwing late over the middle of the field. And I think that all like over time, it almost just became like, Hey, I think I can, I think I can win without even like putting the ball in danger <laughs> in the middle of the field. Yeah. And um, you know, it, it, it was certainly a detriment at times and one that I don't think got covered nationally uh, as much, but there, there were times where there was a lot of stuff open in the middle of the field and like teams just almost started to like not care about it as much defensively and really try to take mm -hmm. away the outside wide receivers more. So um, I think that's going to be something that opens up a lot more with Jordan Love. And I think that's kind of exciting in a way. I'm not saying it's going to be better, certainly, sure, than, than sure. what you had with Aaron. Yeah. But it, I think there's going to be an area of the field that they're going to attack a lot more. Yeah, no, that's something to note. And hey, if you're a Jets fan listening to this, you can think through that as well, maybe. So um, to move on to the, I mean, we're talking about the middle of the field, moving on to the wide receiver room here. Uh, you mentioned Watson and Dobbs. Um, and it is Dobbs, right? Not Dobbs. Yep. Yep. Okay. So Watson and Dobbs, uh, we saw some crazy stuff from Watson last year. And uh, yeah. before Watson got too involved, Dobbs was, uh, well, because Watson was injured, Dobbs seemed to have some some stuff going on for him as well. Um, Watson had, I think it was nine touchdowns, two on rushes and uh, seven through the air, three coming in one game against Dallas, which was just super. I think I was watching that live and it was just super fun to watch him uh, <laughs> going off there. Uh, Alan Lazard is gone as well. We mentioned uh, Devontae Adams, but Al Alan Lazard is gone as well now, uh, leaving behind 800 yards about and 100 targets from last year. Watson had 611 yards, 41 receptions, and we mentioned the touchdowns. We also now have rookie Jaden Reed. And I was looking at some of the stats for the Packers, and it was interesting. Uh, somebody had mentioned, which made me look at it. The Packers had the fourth most yards from the slot last year and the highest amount of touchdowns, which was like 14 total touchdowns. And Jaden Reed seems to profile from everything I've heard, at least as kind of a slot guy. Uh, what is that wide receiver room going to look like this year? Is there going to be a one? Can Christian Watson be that guy? It seems like he would be the guy drafted to be somewhat of that typical guy. But we've seen a little bit of uh, some drops issues. Can he be consistent? Is that a possibility? Will Jaden Reed get uh, a lot of love this year starting out the gate just because of the position that he plays? What have you seen from those two and what would you project for them? 
Yeah, so well, I want to start with Christian Watson because he's such a fun player and he's so fun to discuss. But, uh, you know, you mentioned his numbers, like nine touchdowns. His, his yardage was great. His yards per catch were great. Christian Watson last year played 282 passing snaps only. 282. Mm-hmm. That's how many passing snaps he played. And he still had all of that production in, as a rookie in the NFL. Just for comparison's right. sake, and I'm not saying he's Justin Jefferson. Nobody's Justin Jefferson. <laughs> but just for comparison's sake, Justin Jefferson – played 777 passing snaps last year. So like you start putting 282 snaps for Christian Watson in comparison to like what you potentially run as a true number one wide receiver if you're healthy throughout the season and extrapolate those numbers on 282 snaps to like 700 plus through the course of a season. And, you know, we'll see the part of that's going to be how good Jordan Love can be and so on and so forth. But there is a lot of opportunity for Christian to take a massive step simply because he's going to be on the field a ton more, assuming he can stay healthy through the course of this season. So if you're a fantasy player and you want to do some of the quick math in your head, like you are looking at if his numbers were put to that 700 plus passing snaps, you're looking at it like a top five, top six wide receiver in the NFL last year for Christian Watson. Again, he was a rookie that came from a, you know, North Dakota state where they barely threw the football. Like it was a very impressive second half of last season. So you still see some inconsistencies from Christian. You, you like just yesterday in practice, he ran a great post route, um, and Jordan Love hit him completely in stride. Couldn't hand it to him much better. To be fair, Razul Douglas very tight coverage on the play, but it's a ball I think Christian would say he could come down with, and he dropped the ball on the play and missed a big play. There's there's been a couple other drops too for Christian in camp. If you remember the very first play on offense last season for Green Bay. Out and up yep. against Minnesota. <laughs> Christian's got like a thousand yards of separation on the play. Rogers hits him in stride and it just bounces and clangs right off of Watson's hand. So that's going to be right. something to certainly continue to keep an eye on. But he's going to have a lot of opportunity. He's going to be wide receiver one, in my opinion. Romeo Dobbs is going to be right there with him. When we talk about those two tight end sets, it's Ben Watson and Dobbs is the one and two. Um, and then I think there's going to be four wide receivers in total that are really involved in this offense and getting a lot of playing time. Jaden Reed, the second round pick in OTAs in minicamp, very, very quiet. And I was like, oh man, is this another mm-hmm. second round pick that maybe is? And then training camp, like he has turned it on. In my opinion, he's been the rookie that's made the biggest jump from OTAs and mini camps to training camps. They've used him on some end arounds and reverses, and he looks so freaking fast and so incredible in that regard. Um, he's also made some really big plays down the field. He's had a couple drops as well, but he's got great hands. So I think that's going to clean itself up naturally. He's been really fun to watch. And then don't sleep on Samore Toure, seventh round pick from a season ago. He is one at all levels of the field in training camp, deep, intermediate, and short. He's got great running ability, fantastic hands. I think he's going to really play a part as well. So Dobbs, Watson, Toure, and Reed, I think, are going to be the four wide receivers you see a good chunk of this upcoming season. Okay. Does Dontavian Wicks, he's the... I, I was looking this up because you mentioned yeah. him on your podcast and I was listening to it just to prep for the uh, the conversation here. I, I've heard you say some good things about Dontavian Wicks. He's is it four six two speed? I was kind of shocked by that. Obviously, he went in the fifth round, so yeah. I'm not going to criticize that too too much because you know it's not a high pick there. But uh, what role would he have if he were to? I assume he makes the roster. So yeah, he's going to make the roster as a fifth round pick. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, but I think the thing with Wicks so far, so he missed a little bit of time in OTAs and mini camps with an injury. Then on the yeah. very first day of camp. Um, he actually made an awesome block. Like he he was he came down and almost was used in like a little bit of like an H back role, something that they did with Alan Lazard a little bit in the past. He came down, Rudy Ford came down in the box and 
Uh, Wicks just made a fantastic block on Rudy Ford that sprung a big running play on day one of practice. On that same practice, he came over the middle. There was a collision with a safety on the play, and he had a concussion, and he just got back to practice yesterday. Had an okay. awesome one-on-one route where he did a stutter step, juked outside, and then the, the corner made a bite on it, and he just cut back inside on a crossover move, gained miles of separation on the play. Like Again, not comparing here, but I haven't seen a route like that run since Devontae Adams left Green Bay. Like it was a sick, sick route, total ankle breaker. Um, so that's fun to see. So I think Wicks just needs to get obviously healthy and then on the field and we can see what he can do going to make the team. But uh, at this point, just based on the time that he's missed, I would put him as wide receiver five and, and kind of behind those other four, just based on time missed so far, but he's a fun player. And I, I think his route running has the, and it, in that block that I mentioned, that'll get your, the, the coach's eyes open very fast as well. Um, he could be a player right. that I think sees the field, but I wouldn't put a ton on him in year one. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Uh, for just to get back to Jane Reed for a tiny, tiny bit, do you see him playing that slot role? And you mentioned in two wide receiver sets, you, you're pretty sure it's for the most part going to be Dubs and Dobbs, sorry, and Watson. Um, but you see Reed as the slot guy then maybe? Yeah, I think Reed and Toure are going to play a ton in the slot, but Matt LaFleur really likes to rotate his receivers around and have them play pretty much every position. Uh, Jaden has a lot of experience playing on the outside. So I think you're going to see a lot of Christian and Romeo on the outside and then Samore and and Jaden in the slot. But Christian will play in the slot. Romeo will play in the slot. I think Samori and Jaden will get some time on the outside. You're going to see those guys rotated around, but I do think, okay. you know, one of the things this team likes to do is, is kind of at least have you start to specialize in something first, like Lucas Van Ness on the opposite side. He's been primarily working at edge. I think they're going to kick him inside at time, you know, from time to time uh, as time goes on, but I think they want him to try to master that edge position. I think they're going to really want to see Jaden try as much as he can to, to sort of master that slot position and then start, you know, rotating him around a little bit more. But I think we'll see all these guys play in different positions, but I, I think Jaden in the slot is a pretty fairly good bet to start things off. Okay. All right. Sounds good. And uh, I didn't put this in the show notes that I sent to you. So I'm going to ask a question. I didn't yeah. have in there, but uh, as we move through the rest of the off season, what particularly would you say we need to pay attention to, especially maybe in the preseason games that we'll actually get to see on television we don't get any clips uh, from Packers camp to uh, uh, at least on video uh, right now because they don't let, let, let you guys record. But right. what would you say we need to pay attention to? Uh, you have your first preseason game on the 11th against the Bengals. Is there anything you're looking for through those couple of preseason games? I mean, obviously the first thing is Jordan Love, right? This is a this is an entire season based on Jordan Love's productivity and his progression as a quarterback. So that starts obviously in camp, but it you know carries over into preseason and then obviously into the regular season. So that's one A. But it's just somebody you know, kind of outside of the you know outside of the quarterbacks. Uh, you know, purview sort of uh, takes, I would say defensive line, the young defensive lineman, uh, Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks, two day, two picks have looked really impressive so far. You know, can they carry that over into the preseason? It's also um, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt are two big time players who are going to get additional playing time with the losses of Jerron Reed and Dean Lowry. Wyatt, a first round pick a season ago, he's opened some eyes so far. So whatever playing time they get, I think is going to be really interesting to keep an eye on any playing time. Quay Walker gets, how does he look in his second year? I think he's had a pretty nice training camp so far, but that's a young player that needs to take a significant step. Keep an eye out for Carrington Valentine, seventh round pick. He's been fantastic. He had a pick six the other day in camp, had a pass breakup against Christian Watson. Really fun player. He looks the part, plays with the confidence of a corner uh, that you want to see. So that's another one to sort of watch. The safety battle. I think there's four safeties, all veterans, 
all not great if we're being honest, but I think all four of them have the opportunity to earn the starting job. Jonathan Owens from the Houston Texans, who was a starter a season ago, Rudy Ford, who started for Green Bay a handful of games last year, Darnell Savage, who's been a longtime starter in Green Bay, and then Tavarius Moore, who's had a, a couple starts for San Francisco. They brought him over in the offseason as well. I think those four guys are, are really battling for two starting spots and it could go in any direction. So that's another one probably to keep an eye on. And then maybe uh, the Josh Myers, Zach Tom, Yash Nyman, there's three, uh, three guys fighting for two starting spots at center and right tackle. Zach Tom can play either of them. He's going to get one of them in my opinion. So it probably comes down yeah. to, do they want Josh Myers at center, Zach Tom at right tackle, or do they want uh, Zach Tom at center and Yash Nyman at right tackle? That's another one to keep an eye on. You mentioned a lot of guys on defense, and I uh, we touched on it a tiny bit. Are they good this year? They are not good until I see them be good. And the reason <laughs> I say that is with all the first-round picks and all the free agent signings and all the money that they and, and investments that they have put into this defense, we have been mm -hmm. projecting for years now that, oh, they're going to go out and have their best season yet, and they look right. great in training camp, and they look great in preseason, and you have all these expectations and then it falls flat on its face in the course of the regular season. So listen, they've looked, they've won by far and away the, the battles in, in training camp so far, they are well ahead of the offense at this point. They've won every day of practice except for one. And even that was like a kind of like a, you wink and a nudge towards the offense of like, ah, we'll give you this one. So I think the defense <laughs> is well ahead. They've got a lot of talent on this defense. It is a must um, you know, this is a, a huge year for Joe Barry. He must perform and that defense must perform if he wants to keep his job. There's also some guys on contract years that need to perform. So I'm hopeful, but until they show it on Sundays, Thursdays, whatever day they're playing, I, I will refuse to believe it. And I'm not hyping them up until we actually see the results on the field. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. I think I lost a bet or two with my friends that they'd be the best defense in the league last year. So uh, yeah. hopefully, hopefully they, they show up this year for my sake, but that'd be nice. Uh, we give everybody a soapbox who comes on the show. Uh, is there it's just an opportunity for you to take something that you'd like to say about this team that's maybe either been bugging you or been on your mind? Uh, you can take it any direction you want, but is there anything that you think that people just generally get wrong about the team or that people don't know? Uh, any opinion that you have maybe not shared by a ton of other people, anything like that? Yeah, I'll give you two things really quick. So I think the first one is we talked earlier about the Packers being like the, the fourth best odds in the division to win the division, the fourth best odds of all the teams to make the playoffs. I think I think that is a little bit slept on. I'm not saying they're going to win the division. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs. Um, if sure. I, in fact, if I were betting, I would probably say they don't win the division and they probably don't make the playoffs, but I do think they're going to be in the discussion until the end of the season. But I do think people are sleeping a little bit on this team and the overall talent and just like, as I mentioned earlier, some of the veterans on this team, the Bakhtiaris, the, the Jair Alexanders, the Kenny Clarks, the Devondre Campbells, and so on and so forth. And, and really some guys, even like Christian Watson, um, who we saw have a pretty significant second half of the season last year, like there is legitimate talent on this team and it's going to take them all playing together and putting it together. And as I mentioned earlier, I think there's a lot of volatility, but I do think fourth best odds in the division is, is being a little bit slept on um, so far. And I, I would be surprised if they finished fourth in the, the division. Um, the other thing I'll say is I know a lot of people on the outside maybe are thinking like, man, you just had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for 30 years. It's kind of what we started discussing. Right. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's yet it seems like green Bay is happy that Aaron Rodgers is gone. And in that, you know, they're going with Jordan love and like, and I'm sure from the outside, people are thinking, are you guys crazy? 
Like you gave up Aaron Rodgers, and he's now going to go and probably have a MVP caliber season for the Jets. And you think like right. things are going to be good with Jordan Love? Here's what I will say: as somebody that's been a fan and was at that first, you know, Brett Favre, Kittrick Taylor throw play air play uh, that he made and, and made yeah. that amazing throw. This has been a team that has had the expectations of Super Bowl for, for basically 30 years. And it's yeah. had Hall of Fame quarterback play through 30 years. It's had three Super Bowl appearances, two Super Bowl wins, a lot of NFC uh, championship game appearances, playoff appearances, and it's been awesome. There's been a ton of heartbreak during that time. Fourth and 26, Brett Favre interception in the Giants playoff game, six interception performance by Brett Favre in the playoffs. There is yeah. more to, than I could possibly blocked punt against San Francisco in the divisional game. Oh my goodness. There is more <laughs> heartbreak, fourth and 20 or six to, to Freddie Mitchell. There is an insane amount of heartbreak that went with that. But you you wouldn't trade it for almost anything, maybe outside of the New England Patriots dynasty, because it's just been so fun to watch those two guys play. But with that, as as I mentioned, came a lot of heartbreak came a ton of expectations and it came with some drama, the Favre drama towards the end, the Rogers drama mm -hmm. towards the end. It hasn't always been picture perfect. So we For get sure. wholeheartedly that this has been a pretty special place to be in. And it's been really fun to watch this, but we've basically seen the same story for 30 years now. And it was an awesome story, but you know what? We just picked up a new book for the first time, and it's probably going to be a worse book than the one we've read for the past 30 <laughs> years, but it's different, and it's new, and it's exciting, and right now, I know things are may maybe going to get worse, but it's just kind of different and fun and new, and I think everyone in Green Bay is kind of excited about that. So who knows how it'll end? I don't think anyone's expecting it to be another decade of Hall of Fame quarterback play, and like I said, it's probably going to end up being worse, but there's, there's a level of fun and interest that comes with maybe not having that burden of expectation as well. Yeah, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. And uh, hey, like you said, it's very possible. He's uh, Jordan Love's been sitting for the better part of three, is it four years now? Um, so he he should have something in the tank, hopefully, to, to show us. And uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, before I let you go, tell us where we can find you real quick, where we can find your work, uh, just so that uh, everybody knows where to check you out. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. You follow the podcast on YouTube and wherever you get your favorite podcast as well. 365 days a year, brand new show every single day. So if you're a Packers fan and you can't get enough Packers content, Packaday is exactly where you should be getting it from. There you go. Everybody make sure to follow that. Then 365 days a year is a commitment. So <laughs> congrats to you on that. Thank uh, you. Andy, thanks again so much for uh, helping us out here. We appreciate the insight and uh, maybe we'll talk to you again here in the future. Thanks so much for having me, Zach. Really appreciate it. All right, everybody, welcome to the Fantasy Fallout, where we're just going to briefly discuss some of the things that we talked about with Andy. Regarding the running backs, let's look at Aaron Jones. I personally think that he is going to produce Assuming that he stays healthy, of course, and he hasn't lost a step, he is near that ledge where running backs tend to fall off insofar as age is concerned. However, you should see reliable production from him here both on the ground and in the air since Jordan Love is a mobile quarterback, but he's not like a super scrambler like Lamar or uh, Hertz or Fields. If you think that he still has it, you're going to see him catch dump-offs, things of that nature, just as he has in the past. So uh, as long as he avoids that running back cliff at ADP of 52 currently in best ball, I definitely think that that risk is baked in. And if you go wide, re wide receiver 
heavy to start the draft, you could definitely use him to help hold down the running back position for you. The big thing here, in my opinion, is the wide receivers. We could talk about the tight ends, and it sounds like Musgrave is going to be the guy. I don't like rookie tight ends almost ever. If you want to throw a dart in like a three tight end build that you have in some sort of best ball draft this time of year, be my guest, but I probably won't be joining you on that train too often. Moving to the wide receivers specifically, I really wanted to like Jaden Reed headed into this interview. And, you know, he still may be a great player, but right now I think he's valued where he should be. And unless he can crack being on the field in those two wide receiver sets, it's going to limit his upside. That's just the way it is. This team appears set to run the ball a lot. And if that's the case, you will be seeing less of players like Jaden Reed until he beats out someone ahead of him like Romeo Dobbs. Rookie wide receivers do tend to beat their ADP, but I'm just not sure how much he can do that unless he beats out Dobbs for that snap share first. The guy I'm, of course, most interested in talking about is Christian Watson. Right now, he's ranked at wide receiver 22 on Fantasy Pros and is going at wide receiver 21 in best ball. The guy's big. The guy's fast. And he's been productive. He has had drop issues, and Andy mentioned that. We have seen players come into the league with drop issues and never fix them. We've also seen players come into the league and fix them. It's important to note, though, that Christian Watson did have 19 catches and zero drops in the last five games he played last year. I know this sounds obvious, but whether or not you draft Christian Watson is going to rely entirely on how talented you believe he is. We obviously can't put him in the category of elite, but can he be as talented as someone like DJ Moore, for instance? If you believe so, you should take him at his price. Similar to DJ Moore, you have a question mark at quarterback as far as passing production is concerned. But if you believe Christian Watson has enough talent to overcome that regardless of that fact, he's a value. Watson played at a small school in a limited role, was injured to start the year last year, and was a rookie with a quarterback who notoriously doesn't trust them. Watson, to me, presents an intriguing shot at upside, and especially if I'm getting him as my wide receiver three, which at ADP 42 is possible, there's no reason for me personally not to draft him for the upside. If you just look around at some of the wide receivers that are in his tier, you're looking at people like Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, Jerry Judy, Terry McLaurin, DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know that most of those guys have a better quarterback than Christian Watson does. We could see Deshaun Watson play poorly and Amari Cooper won't pay off. Jerry Judy has a quarterback with humongous question marks again this year and himself has some question marks. Terry McLaurin is going to be relying on a first-year starter as well, who I think was fifth-round quarterback selection. DeAndre Hopkins is older and also moved to a new team and also has a quarterback that isn't exactly top tier. Again, if you want a shot at that upside and you believe in the talent, I say go for it. Thank you all again for listening. And if you like the show, please rate and review the podcast. As I said before, it really does help us out. Also, if you haven't already done so, check out our Patreon. If you sign up for just three bucks a month, you'll get access to our daily news summaries, which again are very, very helpful, particularly this time of year. But we'll continue to pump them out year round. 
You can find those again on our website at 32beatriders.com. We'll see you next week.